Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. I am with my guys, Matt Welty, who I think, hold on, Matt Welty trimmed the beard, and I think he's, the beard. He's, he has hair gel on today, doesn't he? No no hair gel, but I got the slick back going. I think I might... Uh, he got a I, whole makeover. Dude, yeah, that's a new hairstyle. That is yeah, a new hairstyle. I, I was joking that like if I put the goatee and gel it, I got like the uncut gems like Adam Exactly, yeah. and it just went on Netflix. You trying to be in the sequel yeah this is how he wins uh, yeah trying to open a store in the diamond district uh once covid's over all right and talk about another person whose hair is thriving my man brendan dunn live from brooklyn can you see the grays i can't see him can Not you on... see the grays in here i got a lot yeah, of grays. actually a little a little grays during the pandemic are very very prevalent a lot of my friends when i pick up the facetime i don't even recognize the, the grays are coming in heavy i'm proud of it joe i'm proud of it so you're not going to dye the hair no way okay i'm, I'm going for that noah callahan bever you know that silver that fox. from x-men you know little shock down the middle you're going to be the silver fox out of quarantine working on it speaking of gray beards though i think the, the first thing we just need to mm-hmm. get get right into my which man was your, one of your gray bearded sneaker friends the, an og the hypocrisy an og yeah. the on hypocrisy. memorial day weekend <laughs> had the internet going nuts well that was the biggest like one of the biggest things to happen in what happened in sneakers this year so far which right, sounds really say, tell tell all right let's what get happened? to it tell the audience so what um, for those who don't know, the Ben & Jerry's X Nike SB Chunky Dunky finally released, which Joe LaPuma has two pairs of somehow. But over the weekend um, on the internet, Hikmet Suger, who some people will know is like the founder of the Berlin uh, sneaker boutique Soulbox, which is a influential boutique in the boutique Very world. important store. Very important store. Very important sneaker collaborations over the years. He put ice cream in his chunky donkeys and ate the ice cream out of the shoes and i have never seen the sneaker internet get so riled up over one act as i've seen over that and then he doubled down on it and then walked into a pool and you defended him which you defended him, and you here's what I would say. out the window. You did jump out the window. And you know what? I have definitely interacted with him throughout the years, which I'm sure if you've been in the industry, you have. He's an OG. But I was just wondering to myself if this was anyone else, how Matt Welty would be handling this. Because you put the gun down for this one. Hold on. You are our gatekeeper in chief. <laughs> yep. If Kais Omar did this, I, forget I, it. You would have I a 2,000-word essay yes. filed 
tomorrow. Yes. I, but your yeah. sneaker friend, Hicknet, <laughs> ate a fucking scoop of ice cream out of a tie-dye ice cream shoe, and you hit the retweet button? He did PR for him. He said, I would have you know. He put his, he put his, hold um, on. He put so, his hand on his hip and Welty said, I would have you no, know. No, this is our gatekeeper. This is an OG. Yeah. But <laughs> I mess with Hickmit. He has tons of history. But my man, Mount Welty, maybe a flip flopper. Just, for, I guess, for transparency's sake, I will admit that me and him have been friends over the past, you know, five, six years. And, you know, we talk like, like personal conversations and whatnot. But beyond that, I think that the difference, like when I saw this, I guess it's different. Sometimes when you know somebody and you get their sense of humor, it kind of translated to me. Like I got like the nuance on it where I'm like, he's a funny guy. He jokes around a lot. There's a picture of him in a bathtub with a pair of the Yeezy twos, like when like eight pairs of them when they first came out. And it was funny. He's a great he's guy. Yeah. Funny to me. And it's like no disrespect to Kais. I think he actually is an a apology. decent guy. No. Yeah. But I don't think Kais is funny. It's no shots. I just don't think he's funny. Like two people can tell the same joke on stage stand up and you might laugh at one person's joke. and You don't laugh at the other person's joke. I mean, I mean, listen, well, all due respect to Hikmet, but when you were telling me about the nuance, I don't see any nuance here. Don, you were a little tougher on him. Okay. Anyways, can we talk about the actual shoe? Did any of us get the ice cream shoe on sneakers this morning? We're recording this the day that it launched. Any luck? Here's a little antidote for the audience. I have never bought off the sneakers app. I have never used the Nike sneakers app. The privilege. No, I just don't know my way around it. So I know everyone gets riled up, but I've never been on it. Okay. Joe didn't even have to try. Wealthy, did you successfully buy the ice cream shoe? No, I didn't. I tried and you didn't get them either, right? No, I struck out. I forgot to I forgot to run the trick of telling my girlfriend to enter for me. That was a big mistake because I feel like the chances would have been much greater. But I, yeah, I didn't get them. I think and we were, we were talking this on the side where it's like this is seeing the reactions of people just getting mad about not having the shoes and all that sort of stuff that this is like one of the most mainstream. We've already spoken about that. One of the most mainstream sneakers that we've seen, but there's been really mainstream sneak releases in the past, a la like Space Jam 11s, but at least there was some sort of shred of hope of getting those shoes. Like you could go to the mall yeah, and like wait in line of of and get it. But Millions. I think that this release brought in a lot of people who aren't used to the limited edition sneaker world. And then when they realized that there was no way possible, you couldn't even buy this shoe. You had to enter raffle. So it wasn't even like, can I click fast enough? It was, yeah. it was, totally out of your hands whether you could buy them or not and i feel like that's why a lot of people got in their feelings about this shoe because it brought in a lot of non-core sneaker people and they got their hopes let up by not being able to get the shoe does that sound fair definitely and this shoe went mass i was even home and it's a shoe that we talked about it how like people would hit you up who are not in the sneaker quote-unquote game and you've never talked sneakers with and this shoe was brought up multiple times during this weekend. And it's like, even if they didn't really understand the full capacity, like they didn't even know what Nike SB is, yeah. but they were like, oh, the Ben and Jerry shoe. This went really, really wide. And it's funny that you said that we were talking about the biggest releases on a mainstream level. Like, I think this is a top 20, a top 15. All time. Yeah. I mean, this year, it's definitely the most hype. And I feel like part of that is the closest contender is the off-white Jordan 5, but that shoe is a shoe that you have to explain to someone. The Ben & Jerry's Nike SB shoe, yeah. you see it and you immediately understand, no matter who you are, you can tell. It's it's so obvious, and I think it's good for that reason, and I do think it is a good shoe, but 
it's just so mass, like you said, but the product isn't, like Welty said. And then the Off-White 5, it was like, oh, you could get them in All-Star Weekend at this one place, and then I'm going to try. And then it was kind of like, great shoe. I think all three of us put it up there, spoiler alert, on one of the top shoes of 2020. But then it was kind of like, I'm not going to get it. Yeah. And that's it. It just goes into the like history books or whatever for great releases of this year. You still kind of had to be in the know, not totally, but a little bit to kind of know when that shoe was dropping. And I would say that the other shoe that you kind of put up there that has this much hype would be like Red Octobers. Like I would say a little bit, but at least the caveat on the Red Octobers was is they didn't really like release on the way where like nobody knew that they were coming at all. So right. people didn't feel disappointed because it just flash dropped and then, oh, I didn't get them. There were, people weren't didn't even invest expect- any time on the front end of yeah. caring about it and worrying about it. It's not equal to this shoe, but it does have a little bit of that Air Mag type of thing to it. It has like that kind of costumey mm-hmm. feel almost for a shoe. And that's why I think it's really different, you know. These aren't going to go away. You're going to see a lot of – we have another whole wave until people get their pairs and either they're going to resell or you're going to see crazy, crazy fits. And these shoes are going to live on for a while. Once Kais gets his pair, Welty. Oh, yeah. The next step I think is like putting them in the freezer of like a convenience (laughs) store and just being like, oh, look what I found. It's the TikTok shoe. (laughs) That's definitely the next wave of it. I would definitely put it up there though with Space Jam's. Space Jam 11s. In terms that, of most hype? Uh, I just want to know what, what we're quantifying. In terms of yeah. uh, pop cultural connection on a mainstream sneaker mm. level. I just remember when those shoes came out, like people were like, the Space Jams? Oh, I remember Space Jam. I don't know. You might have to talk to Hikmet about that one. I don't I don't know. I just remembered like when working at the sneaker store at the time they came out, like so many people who really weren't into sneakers were like, are those Space Jams coming out? I don't know if the Chunky Dunky... I can't believe I'm an adult, a a 30-year-old man having to say the words chunky dunky. I don't know if that resonates in the same way. Like Space Jam is such a moment for a whole generation and the younger people too. We got to move on though. We got to move on. You know, the Travis Scott's coming out this weekend. It's on to the next sneakers app L. Again, something Joe knows nothing about because he's never had to use the sneakers app. That's so crazy to me. Hold on. Those release when? Friday. Oh, hold on. Let me just call that in. (laughs) And the best part about that is that Nike had that like flash fake website about Mm -hmm. it. And we kind of had the scoop a little bit on it. Yeah, we got good sources. And the Mick Foley, yeah. Mick Foley, that was a very cool kind of integration for that. And Brad Hall. Brad Hall. Brad Hall, right. Yeah, Brad Hall still here. Like the Patriots, Tom Brady, still here. <laughs> Brad Hall, still here. That was a good look for him. Congrats to him. And then before we get to today's podcast, we do have some housekeeping. The Complex Sneaker Book. Yes pre-order just went live october 2020 right now you could pre-order the complex sneakers book it's a great book everyone here worked hard on it you guys worked harder on it than i did i wrote a chapter but it is now available for pre-order and it's the sneaker of the year the best since 85 another really exciting thing that we have going on it's good to finally let people know about that one because i feel like and brendan obviously you can attest to this we've put in so much work behind the scenes on this thing and it's like not tangible work that you can show people like what have you been doing you're like oh just reading eight thousand pages you guys worked really really hard on this and and i came in later on it but i know that every time i asked someone to do something i was like oh uh, what's going on what are you guys working on and the everyone book. said the book the book the book so really exciting big moment for complex hit that pre-order. And yeah hit that pre-order you guys are gonna love it trust us 
Our guest on today's episode has been a part of merging skate and streetwear culture since the early 2000s. His skateboarding roots go back to Philly's Love Park days, where he skated for companies such as Aesthetics and Zoo York, and most notably was part of Pharrell's iconic ice cream skate team. Since then, he's been a fixture in streetwear and footwear companies and has gone on to launch his own clothing lines. His current label, Standard Issue, boasts some of the best athleisure on the market. Please welcome to the show, Jimmy Gorecki. Hey, thank you so much. That was an incredible intro, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I had to save save that and use it for later usage. Just put it on loop. Put it in the yeah, Wikipedia. That was awesome, man. All true, and we're happy to have you, and it's a good week to have you because there's a lot of streetwear skate crossover yeah. going on. So, yeah, yeah uh, let's kick it off. Jimmy, you've always been at – I know there's obviously people who came before you, but you've kind of always been at the front of that merging of like – hip-hop culture and skate culture which kind of mm-hmm. before streetwear was kind of like a definable you know marketed thing yep so i think it's safe to say that it all kind of starts back in philly where you're from love park days mm-hmm. you were skating with guys like stevie williams josh kalis who you ended up doing a sneaker collaboration with dc you want to talk about that and like how much that influenced you skating with those guys and their style and all that well, you know, we're all close to age, I, I'm assuming. And I, I think a lot of the things that influenced us were were comparable, you know, whether it was music, like, the you know, Woo and Mob Deep and shit like that, to um, we had very select fashion brands and everything. And um, in skate, it was weird. There was always this disconnect from those worlds between music and fashion. But a lot of the, of the skate brands that I was into and, and the skaters that I was into were, were heavily influenced by it. There was no connectivity between those worlds. You know, it was very segmented. And to even, I think even early on to even, if you were to have like a connection to, to a rapper or like to something outside of skate, within skate, it was like, it wasn't really embraced like that, even though we were all so influenced by it you know it was just like you couldn't imagine seeing a skater with a rapper back then or a skater in in a Nietzsche ad or an academics ad that was all too like too far-fetched even though the product and the uh you know visuals and videos and stuff were like clearly impacted by it so early on it was just these worlds were kind of parallel with one another you know even when I look back at like early streetwear early streetwear guys were very like they kept it close to their heart and like which is why when I think something like ice cream came out, you know, it was hard for skate to embrace it. It was hard for streetwear guys to embrace it. Now you have, you know, some of those guys that weren't so into it back then, you know, if they would be like, yo, can we get a, a lookbook with, uh, with a Pharrell or something in it nowadays, they'd be like, fuck yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Where these were the same guys like back then, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You said it was hard for even you to embrace it. Like they kind of had to convince you to be part of Pharrell's skate team a little bit. Yeah, no, totally. When um, Nino uh, had first, Nino Scalia is an old, uh, he's a love park guy, South Philly. Grew up on the same block as like the Merlino brothers. Nino worked for Alien Workshop during their heyday and like one of their biggest times. And then him and Pharrell had met at Zoo and and put the the idea for ice cream together. And when he had initially approached me about it, even then it was kind of hard to fully wrap my head around. I think early on too, I, I don't remember when when like ice cream first came out. The, sh- the boutique shoes first kind of, they didn't really resonate with people like that they didn't you know they kind of sat on the shelves at like sneaker boutiques 
And it was weird that the product was out and then the skate thing came out later on and then it was big, you know, and then people kind of were going back to get, you know, the diamond and dollar signs and to try to find the Colette ones and took a lot of time to come around to it. The thing I loved about that team though, and it kind of foreshadowed what we are in now, it's always personality driven for me. And mm-hmm. if you have skills to back up the personality, it's the kind of like the reason why in the NBA, some of my favorite players like are the ones who have the edge, you know what I mean? And even watching yeah. the last dance, it's like Dennis Rodman had edge. J.R. Smith had edge. Uh-huh. But you guys, you, Terry, I remember just buying all the board flips because people looked at you guys as cool. And then you also backed it up on the skills front. So that Pharrell ice cream skate team, it was kind of forward in convergence culture to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even for myself, like you were saying, Matt, when that video came out, the whole time we were filming, you know, they would have the cameras rolling 24 seven if we'd be on trips. And and even that was kind of like, I would fall back because those guys had such strong personalities and I didn't have fully have my head wrapped around what we were documenting. And the video came out the way it was edited. You know, I came from a place where it was like, you just film your part, you put that out and you let that do the talking. Where now you're, you're right, Joe, it was like these big, bold personalities. And that's what people, even to this day, that kids will send me little clips from the video and like, you know, something that was so wild or wacky that we were filming back then are these little moments that, you know, kids that grew up on it, it still resonates with them, you know, and I sure they look at that like the way that, like I, you know, the way that we look at like Wu-Tang or something, these kids might look at like the ice cream skate team. Terry was like their, their ghost or something, you know, so. Jimmy, going back even further, I want to know just before all that, before you, you signed with ice cream, how much of a sneaker guy were you? I mean, you had a long history in this stuff, right? Man. You know what, Brenton? I got really lucky. I had two older sisters that were really cool. They were like really street too. Like my one sister's like, they're like the hood versions of, um, you ever see the fighter? You know, the sisters in the fighter? Yeah. 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 They're like the hood version of that. <laughs> so like, like I'd be stealing their like Timberland hoodies and their Barclays and stuff. And then, um, they had really introduced me to it. And then, uh, when I was skating for aesthetics, I wasn't making, but like 200 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And I, and I really just needed like some side money just for like while I was going to school and skating. And this was just as Ubik opened. This was their first store in the gallery. It was like, man, 2001 or 2002. Mm-hmm. This is back in Philly. This is back in Philly. Yep. It was this unique thing because the gallery is like a very rough hood mall. And then right in the smack in the middle of it, this group came and like, you know, the just the, this new idea of boutiques with like the crazy fixtures, the lighting was different. Getting sneakers from Japan. Um, getting sneakers from Japan. Yeah, everything. It, they, and I didn't find out till later on. You know, we had like this one guy show, this crazy Japanese guy, red hair, and everyone's freaking out. They're saying, hide everything. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And they're like, this, this guy, Homeo. Oh. I'm like, who the fuck is Homeo? <laughs> Homeo is, and then, uh, to anybody listening, Homeo is a legend. The founder of Atmos, just for people who don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't later on, till later on, I found out that um, John Lee, the, the founder of Ubik, had, you know, he, he had really tight relationships with Homeo and Atmos and, and Chapter World. I'd get these Japanese sneaker magazines and like, I didn't really know what I was looking at. For us at those times, it was like, cool color air forces and stuff you know but then being introduced to like python pack Uh or you know just just different stuff like i don't even think there was a tier zero at that time you know and we were just getting shit shipped in and it was like 
well, you know, why, why are these guys from New York coming down to Philly or these sneakerheads from DC coming up to Philly? You know, no, at that point, no one wanted to go to fucking Philly, you know? Speaking Mm -hmm. of Japan though, you know, you went to Japan with ice cream and you got to meet Nigo and, you know, opening up of the stores out there. How like crazy was that for you at that time of your life? It's rad because it's the only time I've ever been to Japan. (laughs) So to like, for that to be the only experience is like, was pretty, pretty cool. Like the, you know, the store in itself, the build out was incredible. Um, you know, at, at later on, they did an after party and to see the amount of people that came out to get into the, it was like a multi-level club, which I never seen anything like that. And like, you look down and just to kind of see the sea of people that were just waiting for Pharrell and Chad and them to show up was pretty cool. I think uh, Nigo DJed for a little bit. Teriyaki Boys, I don't know if yeah, you remember. Yeah, of course. They performed. Yeah. So for that to be the one time I'd ever been there, it's been pretty cool. Did Homeo ban you from Japan or what? <laughs> no, I just don't know why I ever went back. Did you meet him when he came into the store? Because, like I said, he's such a legend and he's such a crazy character for anybody in the sneaker scene who knows. Like Welty said, Homeo, founder of a super important Japanese boutique, Atmos. Did you talk to him back then, Jimmy? Just a little bit. I, his energy was crazy. It was really funny. Just like super bright smile, bright pink hair, blonde, or no, red hair. Tall guy, yeah. high pitch voice, kind of super cool. They ended up, we ended up throwing a Christmas party the one year, which he came to, which was at this really old club in Philly called Fluid. It was like a real, like kind of underground kind of backpack type club, and he was there wilding out. Like so, yeah, he was cool. But they were just like, yo, we can't have any like of the good product out on the shelves because he would then take it to take back to japan you ended up being in the the pharrell that girl video oh yeah 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 yep uh, they shot that at supreme what was that like just being featured as like one of the skaters in the pharrell and snoop dogg music video the actually you know the very first one was the single with gwen stefani <laughs> and it was like an introduce introduction to like the beauty of editing where like we literally sat around all night in this parking lot in downtown la in a trailer Finally get to skate. It's a really shitty, rough parking lot. The ramps are built. You know, just trying to do what you can, even though it's really hard. They went and shot another scene. But the video comes out, and and at that point, we're like, yo, we're about to be front and center in this thing. <laughs> Dude, we watched it. We're like, Look, you got to rewind that because I didn't see this at all. The one screen capture, you're going to print it out and put it on your fridge. The Snoop one was interesting because it was like, we shot it at Supreme in LA. I don't think at that point, Pharrell had any real connection to Supreme. And I just remember a guy standing outside like, this is so fucking whack. These like ice cream guys are in here using our space to shoot a video. The Supreme guys weren't yeah. happy about it. Always hating. Huh? Nah, and, and it was like guys that shouldn't even fucking care. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, this isn't your company. What was it like having, you know, being on the team with Terry Kennedy? I know that like he had static in Philly in the past because like Stevie had like talk shit about him skating rails like was that a problem for you at all or no no not so much terry was always me and him always had a really good relationship there it was a weird philly baker connection back in the day oddly enough a lot of the baker guys would be in philly and me and him had always just connected now he was cool i think him and stevie had hashed it all out early on any type of drama or bad energy was always kind of us apart from skating in all honesty like you know i don't know men, no no many people realize this terry got shot like six times before ice cream started damn um i honestly didn't even think it was going to go down because when i heard the severity of the shooting was like this guy might not make it i can't imagine moving forward with this if he doesn't pull through but, you know terry in that point was like 
fuck man he was a superstar yeah you know? he was um he definitely even, was uh, remember like his super shoe afterwards you know like all over crew hoodies <laughs> zipped all the way to the top he definitely was a star he had charisma and then i think he we talked about skaters and rapping and he even tried to rap later there was a disconnect with him and pharrell and i think that was kind of where a lot of it might have lied at was like um you know for us it was always like Yo, you guys do the skating. I got this group of musicians I got to worry about. Because there would be times when we would be around some of the musicians there and it'd be like, you know, you guys are kind of taking attention from, you know, remember how powerful Star Trek was at that point. That Clones album. Exactly, yep. But I think Terry and Pharrell could never really get on the same page with the music stuff. And if there was ever any disconnect outside of like contractual stuff, that was kind of a thing, but. Yeah, at that time Terry was rapping with like currency too. Yep. They kind of that had they had their their thing going on. So what was it like being around Pharrell from a product standpoint? Now we see his Adidas collaborations and he's always been a product guy, but what about like during the board flip era of those ice cream sneakers and working with him? Was he very hands-on? What could you tell us about like kind of those years? When the program had first started, we were just trying to get back stock of the boutiques. Cause at that point the boutiques had been out for mad long. So we were just kind of pulling back whatever we could get from stores. You know, we get like a random bait box would show up or, you know, some of the early BBC stuff would show up. Then we had heard rumblings that Nego had specifically designed a skate shoe for Reebok. And, uh, and I think Terry had this hand in it. I might be speaking out of turn on that one, but I think Terry was involved with it to a certain degree. But literally, like, I remember getting a call like, yo, we got to get you down to Miami tomorrow pack your bags. We're shooting the first ads. And then the, sh- the the board flip just showed up. And I was just like, what the fuck is that? You know, like, how are we going to skate in that? You know, how was it? it I couldn't do it, man. Okay. The guys, those guys were all, like, they could do it. And I, I just was like, I couldn't, Very I could never curve. get comfortable. Very thick shoe, right? Very thick shoe. I had the pink and cream. I had the original. Uh, you know, I was super. This is like early complex career. So I was like, anything that was shiny, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And I would literally take it to like the Reebok store and, and trade it for um like club C's or, or workouts or anything that was just like simple that didn't look like it was, you know, I mean, it was like an off brand Reebok thing. But those guys could skate their asses in it, man. Terry yeah. and, and the rest of them could. They, they were just like their their adrenaline and momentum was going so it's it's funny because i don't think a lot of people realize until years later or some younger people may have forgot that that whole thing happened through reebok how connected were you to reebok in those days like were you on the reebok flow team could you get whatever reeboks you wanted nah it was treated like all right uh this was and it's kind of a, an interesting thing how the company was broken down our paychecks would come from star trek um, the clothes would come from Bape, the shoes would come from Reebok, but it wasn't like <laughs> what, like it was coming from Reebok, mm-hmm. but it was like not coming from Reebok. Got it. At, at one point we got like, um, Mike, I think his name was Mike Parker is one of the bigger Reebok guys, executives number. And we'd be like hounding these guys, like <laughs> calling them for shoes. What and shoes stuff. were you trying to get? Just anything at that point, just just shit to skate in, you know, because at that point, like the like our contracts had kicked in, but the product was still being being made. So like 
we would just be hounding them for whatever, you know, but. And then you seem like an OG sneaker guy too, like OG pennies. I was trying to find this image. I think it was some graduation. Did you wear 11s to your graduation or something like that? A college graduation, yeah. I know the Jordan 2s you love. Did you have to stop wearing those when you had this contract? We did, yeah. I mean, not not everybody, man. Like I had, I had one or two photos come out with like, I was in staying in Barcelona for one summer and mm-hmm. I couldn't get shoes and I had a photo come out skating a pair of dunks. I, you know, it was cool. I think he could have easily, it, you know, kind of went against our contracts, but uh, they weren't really tripping. Though. What was it like then? You know, you're in college and you're getting like head to toe, like BBC, like going to class, like in the hottest streetwear shit. Was that like crazy for you? Even early on, well, like when the dunks first came out, like there there was nobody at, at Temple that really skated. There was no one really tapped into like how you could even acquire a lot of that stuff at that point. So like, I remember days like going to class with like the Huff dunks, you know, shit like that and people tripping. I had to figure out ways to like tone it down because I was like, I could easily walk to class with like a fucking printed dog on my crotch, <laughs> uh, like a beat, like a, fucking a waffle all over your side. torso, the bandana over the face. <laughs> you couldn't tell people we didn't have like a, a, our own rap album coming out at that point. So it was, there was definitely like, yo, you got to tone it down a little bit. because This is like, this is out of control. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Were you into Nike SB when the dunks first came out? Because I know that some skaters were skeptical of what Nike was doing in the space, especially after their failed attempt in the 90s with shoes like the Chode. I liked it. The one thing that they – they did a couple of things right. The The one thing that they did was obviously they, they put together a team of, of like some of the most well-respected skateboarders ever. Mm-hmm. Um, between that first Gino Nike SB team. Supa. They used those guys' credibility to create this – this this movement early on that that obviously you know it's no secret if you, it's like if you're trying to do business within skate it's really hard to support a business based on the the amount of consumers within the skate community so they they knew they had to take this thing and bridge it to a bigger world and the product back then was so cool you know what i mean like the whether it's the uncles or you know the the hunter dunks to me that stuff was really really cool so. and it was never any problem for you to get that stuff 
No, nah, dude, I could buy it for like cost at Nocturnal. It would be like 35 bucks for like. What's Nocturnal? That's a Philly skate shop or something? That was the skate shop that, that had. That was a Carrie Getz, right? That was Carrie's shop, yep. And the, the original shop I skated for prior to was called Synergy. And they were out in the suburbs. They had been offered the SB account, but they could. Uh, it was it was hard for a lot of people to see it, mm-hmm. you know. So they they ended up saying no to it, which in retrospect could have been a you know pretty detrimental decision, and because they ended up closing down. So so Nocturnal gets the account. Yeah, they do they do really well with all that stuff. And you said you you're know? buying it for thirty five dollars. Whatever the you know whatever That's the awesome. cost was, they would give it to me. What was the craziest things you were getting that you remember back then um, from the SB yeah. stuff? Yeah, all of it. I, it. Anything that came in, I could, it was literally just like a phone call away. And, you know, after a while, then the the allure of it kind of wore off, you know, because at that point, it's getting bigger and, like, you're seeing more people with it on. But but you were getting, like, Tiffany's and Heineken's and stuff like that? or uh, Yeah, yeah, whatever. They would, like... For 35 you know, bucks. Really, like, that's... Whatever the, co- whatever the cost was. Because there really wasn't too many skaters that were into it, Um like that you know and then it just it was just you know the the relationship i had with the skate shop owner but then i remember like being like tight for bread and like just putting it all on the shelves letting them sell it worn and stuff and like when i think back and now it's like man i really like those uncle dunks i wish i would have held (laughs) on to them they sold your worn sneakers for you after you bought them from the shop yeah yeah like way later too probably a couple years later uh and now they're worth crazy money yeah crazy yeah i know you said that you were seeing jordans back in skate shops in that time too is that true because i know there's some people debated about this whether or not nike was sending jordans for skate shops to sell i don't know what if it was by design or how they did it but when those first it's not an sb it's a pro b or whatever yeah, pro b it's like the maroon yeah. one there was shops specifically I was on my mom. I walked into Hot Rod in Santa Monica, California, and they have the gray ones and they have the blue Jordan ones. And I literally traded a box of skateboards because even they, they were like, yeah, I don't know. They just, they're getting us set up, but they sent us these to start with. That's crazy. You know, you talked about getting the shoes for way cheaper than retail, but what were your thoughts kind of on the whole era of skate shops just charging whatever the hell they wanted? for nike sbs do you remember that era yo yeah yeah that conversation is still a thing you know even with these last couple of sb releases i don't know who's right you know it's like you know nike uses these skate shops as a vehicle for these shoes that are you know obviously the resale value is is immense you know and so i see from a skate shop's perspective where they're like you know i can i can stand to make a couple more dollars on this is it fair no, probably not. You know what I mean? Like that conversation's a hard one to say who's in the right and who's in the wrong, you know. But I do like that like um you know, people are doing things like the Nigel Sylvester one, you had to show up. Or this that's not that wasn't an S B though, correct? The Jordan, Jordan one. one. You had to yeah. wear them out of the store or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I said somebody said you had to you actually had to do a like pull up with a bike and be an extra shit. Because uh, they had that with the tip but, I think when the the tiffany's like re-release like there were shops that were like you had to be able to do a kickflip to get the shoes like is that cool to you yeah. or i think it's funny i don't know it's kind of torture you know what i mean like you had a kid that's like really into the shit and he can't do it because he can't get a he can't do a fucking kickflip that sucks you know oh, be a really nice kid and like he could have worked hard for that bro but <laughs> no shot i could have got those <laughs> no shot man. in the scene that you came up in were other skaters into non-skate shoes like i've seen photos of like harold hunter and air max 95s where, oh yeah were you guys paying yeah. attention to that 
For sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, even going back to like 90s and 95 and 97s, there was a group of guys like I, I always thought this was interesting. There were there were like a handful of dudes that skated love and it would be nothing to see them in like literally skating a pair of Air Maxes. You know, they would just be skating flat ground, but they were the same guys that would be on fifth and south street later on the night fully like polo head to toe mm. you know so they you know they were like guys that were influenced by like trilogy and and one-on-one skateboards and you know kareem campbell in that era and like it it, it and honestly was nothing to, there's a pretty rad photo of stevie doing a switch heel flip at love park in a pair of um the neon green 95 that's crazy to skate in 95s yeah he didn't he didn't really skate in them that much but that photo was pretty cool because it was just like he was probably end of the session and he just threw them on and, and their tongues would be completely out and everything. What do you think about the reemergence of the SBs over like, you know, people like Travis Scott will wear them in, you know, he gets his own Nike SB collaboration. You know, it's interesting because I had a discussion with a couple of my friends that are journalists the other day and uh, the interview came out and, and it made it sound like I was kind of harsh on them. And um, it's, it's interesting because it's Nike you know, this is a billion dollar industry or a company, you know, it seems like between the first SB wave and now there's been one hot shoe, which has been the Stefan. They've been in terms of actual silhouettes in a new silhouette that actually popped off and people exactly, really loved. Yeah. When you're thinking about Nike, you're thinking about, they've got the best development in the world. They've got the best designers in the world. They've got marketing that no one can touch. They can buy any athlete. They can buy any endorsee. So between this early SB run and now, the only thing that hit was the Stefan. Yeah, Stefan Janowski's Nike SB signature sneaker, the first one from back in 2009. That went on to be such a huge shoe. Yeah, and they've been creating shoes that, you know, there's new pro models that look like the Stefan. So I think it's interesting that between now and then the dunk trend specifically has come to the forefront but it seems like the popularity of this current dunk trend it doesn't seem like it was like an like an internally like that was like a thought through thing on them i feel like the internet kind of pushed their forced their hand to get back into that that pocket with the dunks it just doesn't come off as genuine as it did early on you know especially for me personally it's like how much ridicule and 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 criticism we took uh, attaching skate to like Pharrell, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine Travis Scott had any more connectivity to skate than Pharrell did at that point, you know? So it's almost like, man, I know guys in Beaverton that were critical of us and kind of doing the same thing, you know, all these years later. Guys who didn't believe um, in the ice cream team and now are making Nike SB sneakers. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, you can't say, Look, Travis has had, obviously, he could do, he could pick any program there that he wants at Nike. He's out, he's doing that. He's on Mm -hmm. a, he's on a trail shoe now, you know, it's like, so it wasn't like this was something that was like in the corner of the SB department being developed, you know, like they got this thing that we're working on. Like, no, this guy's like, yo, you can have whatever, you can do your thing, whatever department you want, you know? So, and I also took a, for me, it's, it's kind of weird. Like there's, um, a group of kids that have worked really hard to get DC back at the forefront. You know, the, their skate program is like this big at DC in all actuality, even though uh, it's a massive company. It's like this group of kids in Philly work so hard to bring that program back and that product back to where it is. And to see Nike SB like commenting on like Instagram accounts and stuff, it's like, dog, 
No one can compete with you guys. Is Nike SB commenting on DC Shoes Instagram account? There was a specifically a skate shop. I don't know the name of the skate shop, but like in all fairness, they're positioning for an ad was the only skate shoe coming out this was the same day as travis's shoe okay. and um their motto was this is the only skate shoe coming out okay. you know and so shops were posting that and and you know obviously nike like look you you know it's it's fair game it just to me it's like come on man like this height wasn't built on skateboarding right. and it's like who the fuck else can afford to to bring Travis Scott into the fold. So it's like, it's not really level playing ground. So it's like, it, I get it, it's a flex, but it's like, come on, dog, of course. That's funny. I didn't know about that, but it's totally believable because the guy who runs the Nike SB account, I don't know him personally, but from everything I understand, the guy running their social is a rogue character in some ways. And <laughs> You know, it's like, yo, you can, you know, I, it's like... I appreciate his work. But it's like, yo, anybody can do anything at Nike and it's a, it's a flex, but it's not necessarily on level playing grounds. You know what I mean? So like, to see this group of young kids in Philly work so hard to like position this product. And it's like, yo, you got Nike kind of taking shots at them. It, that, that's why I'm, I'm very protective of those kids. Cause I was once that kid too. What do you think about the resale values on SBs these days? Like shoes, like purple pigeons that like didn't really hit back in the day are going for like $1,500. Yeah. Is that like crazy? It's, it's weird, man, because like, you know, stuff that we might have grew up on. Like, I got a pair of the Stussy Blazers for, like, 300 bucks. you know? Um, shit that I feel like stuff that we grew up on, it's weird to see how affordable it is now. Like, the Samba Dunks, I got them for, like, brand new for, like, a buck fifty. But it's weird to see the stuff now that, like, you know, I don't know how these prices are put together, you know, and, like, who comes up with it. But somebody's making bread off of it, so. <laughs> Let me ask you... It seems like you don't have an issue with Travis getting a Nike SB. You have mm. more of an issue of the people who kind of hated on you guys when the quote-unquote skate culture may have been stretching a little bit. And now it seems like they're kind of running the same play. 15 years later, is like, yo, we got made fun of, of aligning with a massive rapper. We got made mm-hmm. fun of for having a shoe called Ice Cream. And um, there's people within the Beaverton thing that like they try to uh, project these really core skate values. And it's like, dude, it's a fucking, you're under a swoosh, man. Like, come on, you know, and like, don't get me wrong. I love Nike just as much as everyone else. But it's like when you're holding like a Travis Scott project, he's like the biggest rapper. He might be, he might go down as one of the biggest rappers ever, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, um, this wasn't like an organic thing. You know what I mean? Like this was clearly like a power play, you know? So you can't really align that with like some core skate shit. Even though I'm saying DC's DC as a company is core, but it's like them kids that worked so hard to put this product back in front of people, they're core as fuck. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's where it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. You know, Jimmy Gorecki here had the original ice cream shoe, not the Ben and Jerry's, the actual, yeah. mm. the actual mm. ice cream sneaker. And I like, babe, we're all Ben and Jerry fan. Yeah. You know? like, I ate a pint the other day. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, even the, when you look at their company, the stuff, the, the social injustice stuff that they're working on, it's like, that's that. And all I said, that's a great partnership. But do you like the Ben and Jerry shoe? Does it look funky and, and wrapped up and packaged as a skate shoe? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, you could have done this in any other program. Why did you have to use skateboarding as the platform to to do? Like, some, I think Russ Bankston, he was saying, like, I thought it was a Toy Story shoe. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah, it does look like a Toy Story shoe. 
you know, I do have a personal point because like I wear my heart on my sleeve. So like any criticism sticks with me, you know, so to then see things kind of like being repeated is kind of like, well, come on, guys, you know, anything I'm a part of wanted to grow, you know, so doing things that were bigger than skate or might take skate to another place and, and help feed more people and put more money in people's pockets. I'm all with it. Do you think if Nike SB, there's like rumors that the follow-up to this is going to be another theme shoe? It seems like what the Grateful Dead guys, is that yeah. what people are? But do you think if Nike followed up with like a core story, everyone would not be back on board, but it's almost like a situational thing? Like yeah. not into that one. Okay, this one makes sense. There's some real history, so we're okay. in again. Or do you think if you're sworn off, it's left a bad taste in your mouth, you're done for a little bit? Nah, I mean, they, dude, A, they're going to do whatever the fuck they want because they can, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Just do it. They have baby. the resources, you know. They can put together the wackest shoe with the wackest collab, and they have the ability to, like, I shot, go make a great video skating in it. And they'd be like, well, look, it's skating. You know, mm-hmm. look, he just backsmith the 20 stair in it. It's about skate, you know. And you're like, dude, but the fucking shoe is whack, you know. As much as I think there's a rhyme or a reason to any of it, it's just like, they just got to keep making noise and that, you know, that's their job as marketing and marketers. And- Do you feel conflicted about this stuff? Like you said, cause I think it's a question that a lot of people who are obsessed with shoes have, they find themselves being so critical of these brands, but then we love these products. You love yeah. the old HTM Nike stuff. You love the air force ones you still have. Oh, that stuff's great. Yeah. As I've gotten older, I've, I've made a conscious effort to be like, Oh, you can't care because this is the stuff that like, you know, I have nephews that are into this shit now and mm-hmm. I've got a daughter. So I try not to be so critical on it. The the SB thing, that just really struck a chord with me. Like I said, I'm protective of those kids that are doing their thing in Philly. And to me, it felt like... What, sorry, what is the group of kids? Like, is it... There's about four or five kids that, you know, DC's roots are based in Philly. So, and so much of what I was able to do was because of the skaters that were there and, and who DC endorsed. So... It created the 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 Love Park skate scene was was real, like DC was like the foundational support brand of it. So you had a group of kids over the past say five to ten years that were going back finding that old product on eBay the same way sneaker you know sneaker kids do. But this was just specifically for DC gotcha. stuff, and they were really working hard skating and finding the stuff, skating in it, and then kind of forcing DC's hand to to bring this stuff back and doing so they've created momentum in early beginning of careers for themselves they're a group of kids that like that I really you know I like watching them skate I see a lot of myself in them you know so to see them work so hard to get this product back in front of people in some degree and then to see Nike taking shots at them that's kind of where it struck a chord with me gotcha is there a recent sneaker you had to chase down I always ask people that because I really like Guys who are Here's kind the of, contradiction to all of this, Joe. I yeah. spent the past fucking week trying to find a pair of these fucking shoes for a really good friend of mine. Oh, the Chunky man. The Chunky Were Chunky. Were you on the sneakers app this morning? As critical as I sound, <laughs> I'm literally con- – like I called Skate Shop in Northern California. I called a shop in Philly. I called a shop uh, in the Midwest. Any luck? It wasn't until – it was the second shop in the Midwest whom I won't. No, uh, <laughs> we don't want to make them. anybody upset. Yeah. And the friend of mine that I had to get him for it was a really, really close friend. He's done a lot for me. And I was like, yo, whatever, I'll, I'll do it. And I was like, yo, we might get banged over the head for this. And he's like, whatever, just let me know how much. Luckily, the shop was like, here, Jimmy, just take them, you know, give us awesome. some at box price. And yeah, so. It's funny, man. Is it getting harder for you to, with the hype on SB, to kind of get that sort of hookup? 
you know, loyalty connect on the shoes. Fuck now, I probably won't ever get it. (laughs) (laughs) The people at Nike and Beaverton are working hard to figure out exactly which skate shop you're talking about. Yo, honestly, my biggest thing too is like, I would always rather call the skate shop. And if you can, if you can just hold it, hold something for me and, and I can play the, pay the regular ticket price. Um, then cool. Cause I'd much rather the money go that way. And you know, there's a lot of kids that, uh, you know, probably that deserve promo shoes to skate in way more than me at this point in my life. So I would never want to like take from anybody's allocated, you know, promo budget. The one thing, you know, that you've spoke about in the past too, like talking about kids, you know, kind of looking up um, to you or other things. I remember you saying that Tyler, the creator, like went up to you and was like, oh, your part in the ice cream video, like influenced him as a kid. Like how Mm -hmm. unreal was it to kind of hear that story? There's a whole group of kids from that, like that era of Fairfax that like are really popular and on now. And to know that like I was just sitting there with them kids at one point and like to see their trajectory is insane. You know, specifically Tyler, because he was always such a unique, personality and he was obviously like a fan and a fr- and and in all this stuff and just specifically like yo jimmy can you give my music to pharrell and i'm like no <laughs> i don't have that you know, i just didn't and not that that? i didn't want to give it to him this was like oh six oh seven no actually later this was somewhere between like oh eight and oh nine because i think i had just moved to la and i just didn't have that type of relationship with pharrell right. and i never would have wanted to you know and then now those two are like best of friends yeah you know so that always worked itself out. Can you tell us a little bit about your resume working at Sneaker Brands? I think a lot of us start working retail in the stock room. What was really cool to me early on was um, I got to be around gourmet footwear early on. Even I literally up and I was one of the last employees, but I learned a lot from Greg Lucci, who he worked at Aesthetics back in the day. Greg is like, you know, he was like an early Adidas hire. You know, I, th- I think him and Rich Antonella are really good friends. Uh, and this was when Buscemi was there and Greg Johnson. And, you know, these guys have all done and are doing massive stuff in this space. And to kind of be around them and to understand how sampling goes and design and marketing. And Were you there when the cease um, and desist showed up? I was, yeah. What, what, yep. And my feet were probably bleeding from those fucking shoes. I had the blue 13s, all yeah. royal blue. And then, it was, what was it, a six or a seven? The seven. Dude, I think they they did a lot of them, man. Again, at Complex, Bradley Carbone was like, oh, there's this new brand, Gourmet. I'm like, sign me up. Where can I buy yeah. them? What I like about that group of guys, there's edge and there's always a story. And it's like, it's just how like John does his Christmas gifts used to be like Italian sauce. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I respect that. But yeah, gourmet. What was that like? Because a lot of these kids don't know about it. You know, they took all of our favorite Jordans. They put it on a cup sole and they stripped it down and Mm -hmm. just did really simple textiles and colors. And it was like, wow, I never thought about a thinned out, like a slimmed out Jordan Mm six or Jordan eight or 13. And, um, you know, to see them early on kind of put it together. And, you know, at that point, all we knew was big brands. You couldn't even, you're out of your fucking mind if you wanted to start your own shoe brand. You're still out of your mind if you want to start your own shoe brand. Just to kind of see that development. And then they get the, you know, they get the cease and desist. Um, I think folks at Nike thought they were like bootleggers, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So they go through the whole kit and caboodle. And lo and behold, uh, you know, a lot, I feel like a lot of the product that they did just ended up back on the shelf, but with a with the swoosh on it or right. with the fucking jump man. Same you ideas. Know? So, exactly, yeah. So, did you guys have to burn a bunch of product or anything? 
I think they did have to eat a lot of product. I don't think they could, I don't think they could ship like their last delivery. Um, but then they're, you know, they're, they're really good designers. So what do they come back with? A fucking duck boot on a blown out outsole with the Cortez bottom. Yeah. <laughs> or the Dignin, I think like, that one was called the departed shoe. The Dignin. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I got to learn. I learned a lot from them. Uh, Buscemi left to start his thing. And then dude, oddly enough, my lady was recording at the studio next door to where the gourmet office was. And that's when Lucci was, Lucci was, was solo there and had asked me to come me and him had uh, had over 10 years of friendship underneath our belts at that point. So he asked me to come along and I learned everything really within that first year from sampling sales, development, design, marketing. I did a lot of stuff wrong. I was just trying to, I was just kind of figuring it out on the fly and how to, how to work in that kind of corporate infrastructure. Um, not to say it was mega corporate, but mm-hmm. it you know, you had like this cool yeah. group of like, energy up here and then you had like the more reserved folks that were running the business in Carlsbad so just kind of going back and forth between the two but um that was a, that was an awesome experience we got to work with Jeezy for like a year and a half and um Jeezy was really cool he's like dude whatever you guys want to do Jeezy was down with gourmet I don't remember that Jeezy was <laughs> dude it was it was right at the end and it was like this was the weirdest thing the deal was a social media deal Oh, that was a, that was a big thing, you know, like like an early influencer yeah, deal. Had to be yeah, like 2010 so like, or something, right? Look at so Jeezy like, ahead of the curve. This was <laughs> man, this was about 2013, I think. Okay. So like, and his deal was, if I post a shoe, and you know, I I get residuals back on on the sale of that shoe. It was like, wow, this is this is like some cutting edge shit at the time. Yeah, you know? he was super cool, and we got to. You know, we got to get put together like in stores with him at Wish. Um, dude, we got to run like the gauntlet of clubs with him in Atlanta that he was running wow. the circuit at. And like, dude, that was another <laughs> thing in itself. Like, he'd be sitting there and like him and Puffy and Two Chains and whomever would be having like bottle wars. <laughs> and we'd just be, and I'd just be sitting there. They really fucked with Lucci too, because Lucci looks mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know if you know what Greg Lucci looks yeah. like, but he looks, he could be a rapper himself. But, <laughs> So like, and I just be sitting there like, what the fuck? Is what were they is? dropping? Like forty k in the in the clubs or what? Oh man, I can't even imagine. Put it on the gourmet expense account. Yeah, we yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, but but yeah, that was that was a really cool experience. And then um, you know, it was just it was a good basis of understanding of like this is what the sneaker business is like and how hard it is and how expensive it is. You yeah. know, it's as most kids, you know, they know that you can draw. You know, you can draw a shoe. Mm-hmm taking that drawing you know through the development process is like you can blink and be 75 racks in the hole you know what i mean like who's got the business to you know it's much easier just print some fucking t-shirts you know so you learned a lot at gourmet and now let's fast forward to nowadays standard issue and what you're doing with them and it's like kind of athleisure and basics but sweatpants there was a time in sales meetings like for other companies for like the last four years where I had the same rhetoric, like, oh, we are in the sweatpants era, like executives are going to work in sweatpants every day. Yeah. Why focus on sweatpants? Obviously, it was a great bet to take. I always feel like the best ideas are the ones that like you don't necessarily sit there and try to plot out and plan. And um, it was literally something, you know, I just just showing up to like Street League contest, which is a contest series that I, that I judge in sweats and and literally a friend of mine joking about it and then 
taking that small joke like oh you should do jimmy sweatpants and then Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about making clothes either so i went to nick diamond nick diamond's production head her name's kelly kelly then introduced me to to jared lee who's my partner and we did it for a couple of years and then like you said it got so big at that point and at that point i was working full-time for gourmet so trying to figure out how to get all these things to align i couldn't do so we stopped doing it. I was working for no one, which Matt was super supportive of um, early on. And then my partner, who I started JSP with, said, yeah, I want to do this company called Standard Issue. You're going to think it's crazy. It's literally based off a t-shirt, but I want you to add in other products. Just knowing the type of business person that he was and, and his follow through and his, his ethics and morals, it was a good risk to take. And do, you know, little do we know, like two or three months later, we were being like Wall Street Journal and, and stuff like that. Places that like, I, like I, you know, I'm from Narstown, Pennsylvania. It's mm-hmm. not like a fashion mecca. You know, it's a really like blue collar suburb. Like you can't imagine ever growing up and be like, yo, I'm in the Wall Street Journal for any type of fashion. And you have LeBron wearing your sweatpants now, which is the big, yeah. he's like coming out the tunnel wearing your sweatsuit like how crazy was it for you to see lebron wearing your shit i get so much shit for how much how big of a lebron fan that i am um i got to see him play in philly versus strawberry mansion back in the day when he was still in high school and um just following his career and like you know when he's getting criticized i feel like i'm getting criticized when he's celebrating i feel like i could celebrate um and just uh his, his partner um randy mims I met Randy, yeah, uh, and I met Randy through No One, which was the shoe company I was working for. And he's like, "Look, we love them, you know, but we're a billion dollar business, Jimmy. <laughs> so, like, what else you got for us?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I got this other stuff, you know." And um, and I met his stylist, and and me and his stylist, we actually live really close. Our kids are similar age. Yeah, I just literally just drop the stuff off whenever we make it, and um, and just kind of roll the dice and and literally like I'll, I'll drop stuff off and like a month later he would show up wearing it so it was like summer league he was wearing it and then just throughout this season you know it this is mind-blowing man yeah. it's like the biggest you know one of the biggest athletes ever definitely jimmy before we get out of here i have to ask the 106 and park scout yep. team appearance classic classic appearance it showed the following that you guys had at that time and and how everyone was excited in that audience and how it was so different to be on that show do you have one antidote from that day a young jimmy gorecki going to 106 and park you know pharrell rapping with the gold blackberry and that clip always takes me back the best thing was like we woke up and we did the morning show we did 106 and park which which i you know i would wake up at temple and put you know 106 and park on and watch it before I went to class. Yeah. Um, later on, we did, we went to MTV with Cypher Sounds. Okay. You know, the, the funniest thing is, I just remember it being all done and in the full uniform skating from Midtown to wherever Viacom was at that point, mm-hmm. down to Lafayette to go uh, meet with, with Ty that works at Supreme mm-hmm. and just kicking it with him because that's what I did, you know what I mean, when I was in New York at that point. You know, yeah. like Ty, Ty's still a very close friend of mine. So it was like, it's still so funny, like, I think people thought it was so much bigger for everyone, but it was like, at, for me at that point, it was just like, yo, I was just cool to like go kick it with Ty down there. But uh, yo, that that clip took me years to dig back up. Really, I, I was able to find through a friend, um, a lady that worked at BT. Okay, and she was able to get it for me. 
that one's a trip, man. It's like, yo, what the, you know, a group of skateboarders don't got no business being on there. But um, when I watched it again, like this seemed like the kids kind of celebrating like the video posters and I would sit there and ask for all mad rap questions back in the day. So like, um, even when, when he like, uh, there was a little snippet where he's like, yo, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy's really, you know, like a hip hop historian, you know, I thought that was really cool. Um, but it's just like, it's just such a unique thing in retrospect, you know, and to see, you know, we're sitting here all these years later and it's still such a, a big conversation, you know, and I've talked to them about potentially redoing it, but um, I just don't know. It's like one of them things, man, with something so special, you just yep. kind of let it, let it be and let it keep its place in history. Totally. Thank you guys so much, man. I know, um, Brendan, this is the first time me and you ever rap. Matt's been mad supportive over the years. And Joe, you are the leader of a lot of stuff, man. So it's cool, you, man. To, cool to see you guys. I think I was in like a complex back in the day when I skated for Zoo. I'm sure. Uh, but we all, you know, obviously we all grew up like reading the magazine and now paying attention to the digital machine that complex is. It's crazy, man. yeah. It's, yeah, it's insane, man. You guys just keep growing. And I really like Rich. Rich's, uh, <laughs> his Instagram post, man. It's like, if I'm going to be a boss, this yep. is, I got mm-hmm. This is the shit I need to be doing. He has know, some so. of the Buscemi in him, both <laughs> wine, both cooking, Italian, you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 those yeah, guys. Yeah, no. That's a strong last name too. <laughs> yeah, so. for sure. Uh, Great to catch up, man. Likewise. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Take care, bro. Our producer is Shiva Bayet. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Dave Matthews and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is part of the Complex Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.